Right, hello everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I, uh, I have another guest with me today and this is, this is a really interesting story that I want to tell uh, about how we actually started speaking. We have very, very similar lives, well in recent years anyway. Um, today I'm with Gabriel and I'd love for you to give everybody an amazing intro to yourself. Of course, yeah, more than happy to. So as he kindly introduced, my name is Gabriel. Um, my background, I suppose, going really far back is studying engineering and then going into a career in finance. In fact, the exact same career that you went into, uh, working in Barclays Payments. Mm. Um, I don't think you did the graduate scheme, but that's kind of what I went into. Um, and then as of a week and a half ago, the graduate scheme ended slash I quit. And I have now pursued my full-time passion slash career in social media. So over the past two years, I have been working on social media, specifically on TikTok. That's kind of been where I found most of my success. Um, and yeah, it's grown to a point where I could pursue it full time. Um, so yeah, you're looking at me 10 days into um, living as a full-time content creator, which is pretty wild to, to say out loud. Honestly, amazing job. Really happy for you. I have <laughs> to say congrats. Also congrats on your not so recent engagement yeah. anymore. Wedding coming up in a month. Oh my God. This is exciting times. <laughs> it's all kicking up. <laughs> like literally quitting your job, getting married. Some people say don't quit your job the month before you get married. Yeah. But yeah. we're okay with it. So um, for everyone listening, watching, I think you reached out to me when you got your Barclays graduate scheme. And I think you, were you asking for advice on the social stuff? So... I started the graduate scheme in like August 2020. Yeah. And then about a month or two in was when I kind of was starting to pursue social media and I was particularly going down the YouTube path. Yes. Um, and I think that at that point, I don't know if TikTok had taken off yet or not, mm. but um, I kind of already watched some of your stuff, knew that you'd worked um, at Barclays prior to me. Um, and just kind of, I think I was reaching out to you about the best ways to kind of conduct myself. Yeah. Um, that was definitely the the first point of how I was going to reach out to you, just to kind of understand how I can balance the two at the same time, to which you were like, don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> probably come to that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then I definitely reached out when TikTok did start to, to pop off because I wanted to ask about kind of branding. Brands were coming, reaching out to me and those kind of deals were coming through and I know, knew that obviously you were a couple of years ahead of me yeah. at that point. So I was just kind of, especially looking at someone that was quite relatable because they had worked in the career that I was working in and then had gone into social media. Yeah. You're kind of like the perfect person. So I reached out on Instagram thinking that you'd never apply. Yeah. And then like... Yeah, yeah. and, it, and it's, an, it's interesting because on Instagram, I, I might get a few messages that are similar, but I think the fact that... I, I think how you articulated yourself, you actually put a good message together and you said <laughs> you worked at Barclays and I was like, oh, okay, I can relate. So we spoke on on a video call for like an hour or something. Like we, we had a we had a good we had a good chat. Yeah, you gave me a lot of your time. We had a, we had a really, <laughs> we had a really good chat. This is payback now, so I'm, I'm glad I did that. Um, but what I find amazing is at that point you you were just starting your content social media career mm -hmm. and also your your Barclays job, and here we are now. Fast forward like I don't know, almost two years later, around two years later, mm -hmm. right? And you have what 1.4 million TikTok followers. One Three, oh, sorry, sorry. Soon, you're making me upset. <laughs> yeah, you have a you have 1.3 million TikTok followers. You've got, you know, what over 100,000 on Insta and close to 150, is it? Somewhere like that. Uh, YouTube, you know, 
slowly. Yeah, <laughs> but, but my point is like, it's amazing for me to hear that you've over two years from when we first chatted, you've grown your social media presence to, to the point where you are now able to go full time and yeah, be be your own king and do what you want. And be asked to come on podcasts and like be asked this, to come on it. which is crazy because like we said, a year and a half, two years ago, we were having a Skype call where you were just basically telling me how to price myself to my first ever brand deal. Yeah. And two years later, I'm sitting on your podcast. It's 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 unbelievable. It really is. So well done. Cheers. Well, no, really that. well it's, done. It's wild. I'm not used to it. We we, we do have similar stories because um, I didn't go on the grad scheme at Barclays, but I did work there. Mm-hmm. So I did a grad scheme before that. Then I got a job at Barclays. But um, yeah, we've done very similar. I want, I want to know why you decided to quit your job. You must have felt some sort of security with your content stuff. Can you give me a reason why? Yeah, well, to be honest, social media started as a passion. I think it has to. If you start social media with the business side in mind, it's not going to work out because of the level of work and consistency you need. Um, But aside from that, uh, I always wanted to go full time into it when the business opportunities were coming. And I was always ready to take the leap, even if the security wasn't there. But we're at the point now where the security is there. Um, fortunately, I'm happy to share that I'm earning more through social media than I was earning at Barclays. Really? Yeah. Can you can you say how much? Is it, it, not in terms of a, an actual figure, but is it like double? I could say that I'm on pretty much the average month earning somewhere between double to triple my Barclays salary. Wow. Sometimes more, sometimes less, less but that's the world of social media. Um but that on its own, I suppose, wasn't or wouldn't have been enough to persuade me to leave. It was more the fact that the reason I'm doing social media is because, like I said, it's my passion. It's my hobby. Um, and as much as I enjoyed everything going on at Barclays, and to be honest, it got to a point where I was quite interested in even pursuing and carrying on and maybe even trying another year there in, in Barclays because of how much I enjoyed the graduate scheme. But it, it got to a point where I was managing social media, but I wasn't investing so much into it. So... At the beginning, I was investing to build it up, but then it gets to a point where you have to sustain it because of kind of what your audience expect from you and what you're trying to deliver to them. Um, and then in, like over the past, let's say, couple of months, I realized that if I really wanted to make the leaps and jumps that I wanted to do in terms of the platforms I want to create on, stars I wanted to create, um, even just being a little bit more creative and trying new things, I had to get that time back. And that's kind of why I made the, the decision to, to go full time. Talk a little bit about... The, the type of content you create on TikTok and mm-hmm. you know all your other channels, but also why you chose that kind of content because it is very niche. No, for sure. Um, so, I mean, if you go right back to the beginning again, when I started on YouTube, which was my original platform, I did six months on there, probably hit 500 subscribers after six months. And I was just interested in teaching um, anything that I knew. So I kind of was going through a range of topics, whether it was a little bit about fitness that I was understood. Um, it was a little bit just about like, you know, self-development, that kind of side of things. Um, also about graduate schemes and getting jobs as, a, as someone coming out of university. And then kindly the fourth bucket was probably about finance, but from a very basic level, because I was always the person in my family that was kind of sharing which bank accounts had the best interest rates or moving my money around to make sure it did the best best um that it could do um same with my friends etc so that it got to a point through kind of my understanding and learning about social media that you niche down to blow up 
um, kind of taken that from Ali Abdel, great content creator. I watched a lot of his stuff and that kind of shared with me that I was kind of doing too much. And when I had to handpick which of those categories was my most enjoyable, it kind of led me to the finance route. I realized I had the most to talk about, had the most enjoyment, um, and it kind of had the most potential on social media. And just as I was deciding that niche on YouTube, I kind of heard about TikTok and thought I might as well try to start creating on TikTok. Um, was creating these short 30 second bite-sized, very basic financial education, financial literacy lessons on TikTok. And within two weeks that had blown up. Um, so I think I hit like 100,000 followers in a month. Wow. Um, wow. And that kind of solidified the point that that was my niche. TikTok was the platform, go all in, focus on that. And yeah, I kind of did give up on YouTube a little bit. I tried to pursue both at the same time, but working, it just was never going to happen. So TikTok was the platform and finance was the was the niche. I like it. I think it's, um, it sounds like you've fallen into it because you enjoy finance and it's mm-hmm. your passion. So you've gone with your gut feeling and you've gone with what you know the most about and what you enjoy, mm-hmm. which is great. But also you've been very, very lucky to choose finance <laughs> because financially in terms of, you know, the rewards that you can get via creating content Mm -hmm. in the finance world, uh, companies will pay the most. Yeah. When people talk about finance, you think about YouTube ad revenue or, you know, TikTok, uh, paid promotions, whatever it may be. Yeah. Financial companies, um, will like, will like you a lot. So well well done. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It it was always like, a very very kind of afterthought in the back of my mind but I did know at the same time because I kind of knew that what I was going into but like I said if if that's your primary reason mm. impossible you're not it's not going to happen for you if it's a kind of like a consequence yes I was I was I was talk about it as being a byproduct because I think I spent a good part of a year and a half two years just creating crap and <laughs> didn't earn a penny from it but I just, for me at Barclays, when I was there, I needed an outlet to be creative because in my job that I had, and you probably had a similar one, mm-hmm. it was very numbers based. It was, you know, it's the corporate world. You can expect it. it's an office job, right? Um, and I, I, I felt like my life lacked uh, a creative side. So I felt a need at night in the evening to go and make a video and just to express myself. Maybe I didn't feel like I could express myself. Is that, <laughs> can you relate to that at all or? Um, I don't, definitely the creativity is an aspect of it. You're literally creating things from scratch. Mm. Um, I would say that from a, about a year or two prior to ever posting a first video on YouTube, I was consuming a lot of content about producing content. Okay. So that definitely was clearly something I was interested in. Um, and then aside from that, I just finished a very intensive degree. So mm. my degree was especially fourth year mechanical engineering in London, um, you're talking probably 9am to 11pm every day working like that. So then you start your career at Barclays, especially in the payments and the culture there is very nine to five, like five o'clock, everyone goes home, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Call, it, call it a day, <laughs> nice little voice crack. Um, and yeah, I, I think that also we was, it was lockdown so there really wasn't a lot going on. Mm. Um, and I had all of this time where between five and 11, I essentially had, I was working at home. I had basically just my girlfriend to go and see. Um, but obviously we're not seeing each other every single day. So there was these like six hour buckets in the evening where I just wanted to do something. And I thought to myself, well, there's no more excuses. I have the time on my side now to create the content I wanted to create. 
Um, so that was definitely probably the biggest part of it. And then the other side is just there's so many skills um, and areas of producing content. Mm. Aside from the creativity, which is obviously a massive aspect of it, um, if you're talking editing, scripting, researching, yeah, yeah. these are skills that I just, I, I loved and I wanted to challenge myself in all of those areas um, and content creation kind of filled the kind of hole that would allow me to keep pushing myself and learning in, in areas outside of work. I get that. And I, I loved being able to edit videos, make a thumbnail on Photoshop and yeah. scripts and, you know, come up with video ideas, but I can't put my finger on why for a very long time we both did this mm-hmm. why we wanted to make why we wanted our face to be on the internet when nobody was watching what what is, what is it about you that made you just sit in your room and make a video that it's not it's not like a normal thing no. to do no so it's I, weird. I, I it is a bit weird yeah it is and i can say that because i'm just as weird <laughs> but why do we do that do, have you thought about that before I mean, I could tell you for a fact that I did not want to put my face on the internet. The first, I don't think anyone wants to put themselves out there because you're opening yourself up for ridicule. Like, yeah, like people are going to mock you. Um, I suppose I was quite lucky. I was in a, like a secure relationship with a with a girlfriend that was very supportive. She's now my fiance. That's how supportive she was. Yep. Um, friendship group. I knew like they take the piss, but it would be fine ultimately. Like I know that they would support me. Um, like I had one friend who would literally put my video on repeat in the background just so I could get watch hours. That's the kind of friendship group I had. I mean, yeah. to my face, he'd tell me that what I was doing was stupid, but in the background, he was supporting me. Love so that. like, Love that. there's that aspect. And even like my first video, I remember like how nervous I was. You could literally like hear my voice shaking in the video. Um, you could kind of see I was getting like red and patchy just because like the nerves were there and it got easier with everyone that I did. But I think it was, it's not so much like wanting to have your face in front of people. It's more like, it's a, it's a massive like psychological battle to, to kind of do that to yourself and put yourself out there. And once you can kind of cross that barrier, it opens up a lot of other things yeah. that you can do in life. I think it's made me more confident. Yeah. I'm better at when I've done my, I've done two years at Barclays. I was happier to be more outgoing, speaking in meetings and putting my face in front of things. Yeah. And I think it's a byproduct of being happy to share my face and yeah. and kind of speak on the internet. So yeah, definitely not in it for for just having my face out there. Yeah, I, I can I completely agree. It's really interesting how much speaking to a camera can inf- impact and influence so much other stuff in your life. Yeah. Like, I'm not being funny, guys, but try try it even if you've just got an iphone <laughs> sit sit at home and talk to a camera and watch it back because the first time you do it it, it probably will be horrendous yeah and i think for every youtuber influencer everyone's terrible at the start but you you just build some sort of confidence and you know it you, you can you can grow from it so um yeah i really i can relate to that um you touched on a, a bit about your friends maybe taking the piss a little bit or like maybe made some jokes and you know but also supportive how do you deal with people that you don't know that are very negative and might be trolling you i mean this might be just my personality but it it just doesn't faze me Hmm. um if they're funny then i like them i mean my girlfriend has literally screenshot funny comments that were like bashing me yeah and just sent it to me, being like, "This is a good one," and I'm like, "Yeah, fair." Um, I've had DMs, just literally, just someone's reply- sent me a DM, being like, "What you do is stupid," or "Your videos are crap," and I just just drop them a thumbs up, like, oh, "Thanks." Yeah, you just gotta kind of know that if someone's willing to write hate on the internet, there's clearly like 
there's nothing better going on in their lives um and like i'd be more upset for them yeah because I, I can't ever think to myself like in what capacity i would ever write something like hateful yeah. on the internet so if that's kind of the level they're at like I don't think that me being affected by it is going to help. I don't think me replying to it is going to help. So I literally just let it, let it wash over. Um, it, it just doesn't faze me. I understand why it could and might. Obviously, there's loads of social content creators that have been really badly affected by their comments. Um, but if you kind of just look at it from the point of view that the person writing it is probably in a much worse position than you um they're writing it just out of spite they might not have even watched the video and they just like to like stir yeah um and they don't know you and as long as you've also like got like you know who your friends are you know who your family are they back you yeah just take it very lightly and i'm quite lucky like that yeah i agree i always come back to the fact that you know i've got people in my circle that love me and actually know me yeah that's so it. if someone says something that's completely wrong i'm just like that's their opinion but like they, this person does not know me um sometimes they get it right Sometimes they, they so might... I've they, been told I look like the chef from Ratatouille. I mean, <laughs> with a bit longer hair. Yeah, I, curly red hair, you I, might get I, I, I can see that. I like that, I like that. That was a good one. Yeah, I mean, you're right though, it does affect some people. Um, but also like the flip side of that, positive comments as well and people like... They're amazing, aren't they? They are a bit good, yeah. yeah. They, 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 they're good for the ego. <laughs> <laughs> was it also someone said, once you get your first hate comment, you know you've made it? Yeah, that, yeah, it's kind of true. So take it like that. Yeah. yeah. You have loads of hate comments. You must have really made it. <laughs> so I'm interested to know, when you were creating content, so making your TikToks and working in the office, did you ever get noticed by people? Did anyone come up to you and think, I, I know you? Like Specifically in the office? Yeah, in, in Barclays, yeah. Um, the grads, that I was on a graduate scheme. Yeah. There was eight of us in total. It did not take a long time for one of them to find. I think literally my first video that went viral hit one of their For You page. But that's obviously the demographic that are watching on TikTok. Um, so they knew straight away. Um, they loved it. They were backing it all the way, which was really nice, supportive. Um, and then kind of towards like the latter few months before I left, obviously that's kind of the point where I've been at like my biggest following, doing the biggest kind of media campaigns, brands, things like that. Um, I had one very senior person who used to be kind of like the director of a team that I did a rotation in. He came past me and just said like, if I see you on a more bloody advert. <laughs> <laughs> he was also in the marketing team as well. So that kind of, oh, yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll uh, I was like, well, if you want to like hire me for your adverts. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, one one guy just randomly that I was friends with also said he saw me on Instagram and just said that he keeps reporting my face because he just doesn't want to see it anymore. Like all in a jokey kind of banter way. But that that was kind of the, the main incidences that happened. Um, <laughs> so nothing too crazy. It's definitely more from like, I suppose like the grads or like the people that I knew around at that age that they were kind of talking about it a little bit more, but nah, I wasn't like running around being pointed out or anything yeah. like that. But I mean, you've got on TikTok 1.3 million followers, even mm. outside of the Barclays office. Did you ever get noticed? Occasionally, I think maybe like five in total since I've started it. Not counting or anything, but five times. Five exactly. <laughs> Let me tell you, time one was. <laughs> uh, yeah, just literally a handful of times. People have like, I've walked past someone and they've made a comment. Like, I've been on the train and someone's got off and been like, oh, you're the guy on TikTok. And I'm like, yeah, I've been on a run. And some guy shouted, hey, you're on TikTok. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really, yeah. I still find it weird. So I just kind of give them a thumbs up. Like, what, what do I reply? Like, yes. Yeah, like, I, yes, I, I, am. I am that guy. Um... <laughs> But 
yeah, not not too much, which I'm kind of grateful about. I don't think anyone really wants to be kind of like pointed out loads and loads of times. It's a bit like, it's fun for the people you're with. For, for me personally, it's just a bit awkward because I'm like, what, what do I say? What do you say? I mean, it's, a, it's a strange one because they'll feel like they know you yeah. and will happily have a conversation with you. And you're <laughs> just like, cool. And it's only going to get, I say it's going to get worse. It's only going to get more and more because your your accounts are growing quickly mm. so your your face is going to be all over the world soon plastered on a billboard in piccadilly talk to me about that <laughs> that is cool that was just like a, an event i work with i'm under an agency now mm. so they get me events and one of these events happened to be samsung were like let's get some creators and put their face up on piccadilly circus I was like, yeah, cool. I'll be on a little segment there. Not the entire thing. Yeah, the, the, the big billboard. The entire massive billboard was my face for about 30 seconds. Um, amazing, embarrassing, and a great profile picture. Love it. Yeah. That's cool. That's really, really... And like, if, if someone said to you two years ago when you had like a zero <laughs> following, it's like, if you keep going at, what, if you keep going at this, you're going to have your face plastered all over central London. That, yeah, it's the thing with this career is that like, not only, obviously, do I get to work in the passion, not only am I earning well through now brand collaborations, but there's opportunities that are occurring. Even that, obviously that hasn't done anything, but just to have that experience in life, in what other walk or path of life or career could that have happened? I don't know. And, and then on top of that, the other aspect is obviously the networks that you build, like for the fact that we're chatting here right now, mm. in what other walk of life would, would we have connected? It wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't. It, well, I mean, maybe for me and you being in the same company. <laughs> well, you left by the time I joined. Well, yeah, so so it, it, it's um, definitely the other bonuses of, of kind of being in social media, I would say, are just you get these, you get to meet people and you get opportunities that just don't happen if you don't do this kind of career. Yeah. Um, so they're just other massive plus sides for anyone that was kind of wanted yeah. more convincing that this is a cool career to go for. It's a good point. And I, I, when I started, I did not expect the doors to be presented in front of me uh, to be there. And I have opened some doors, could have gone other ways, but I didn't expect some of the opportunities that I've had purely because of just making YouTube videos, TikTok. Like, Putting your face on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it strange? I mean, it, it, I, just, I just find it so bizarre that when, when you do that and you actually, you're consistent on, on social, it can really change your life. Ali Abdul talks about this. Mm. He says, you know, his part-time YouTuber course. He says, if you do it for like a year or whatever, if you if you make YouTube videos for, I think he says a year or two years, I can't guarantee how, but it will change your life. Fact. Actual fact. Yeah. It will change your life. And he's not necessarily talking about money yeah. or having a career. Like plenty of people make videos every single day for two years and don't or can't do this full time. But I think what he's pointing to is what I was saying before, opportunities and definitely, definitely the networking community that you build yourself. Because it's a very lonely job yeah. being on social media, like you, unless you're doing it with literally someone else, yeah. you're probably starting off and for the majority of your time will be doing you yourself speaking to a camera on your own. But just kind of through, let's say, Twitter or people commenting and reaching out and Instagram, you basically kind of build this community and family of people that are doing the same thing as you. Yeah. Um, and it just so happens that those kind of people are incredible. So, so yeah. It's interesting as well, because yeah, like you said, it might not be, you might not have hundreds of thousands. You might not, you might not have an amazing network. You probably will get some sort of network increase, but even if it's the simple fact that you're more confident speaking or you're good at talking on camera or 
you have some editing skills and you, you know how to use Photoshop, you know, even if it's those skills, it, it could change your life because you could then get a job in this, that, you know, mm-hmm. you could do so, so many win-win. different things. So I guess, I don't know how we got onto this, but if you're thinking about getting into the social world, want to want to be an influencer or whatever, um, yeah, it's important to stick with it. I think, do you agree consistency is probably the most important thing? If you had to literally like pull away everything else and pick one thing, yeah. it's got to be consistency. Yeah. There's no other kind of word or act that is more powerful um it's guaranteed to make you better at whatever you're doing and it's the only thing that social media platforms reward that's a really good point they do reward consistency yeah obviously quality is important as well but it will come with consistency but it will come with it it is that kind of it's a byproduct (laughs) um the more you do it's like the is it like the ten thousand hour rule where something like that if you if you do something for ten thousand hours you're going to become a master of it similar with this Mm -hmm. like i'm guessing you're way better than what you were two years ago so um yeah really good point but on that note if there if there is anyone listening i'm sure there will be people watching listening that think you know what i'd love to try my hand at you know you know being freelance or quitting my job and doing doing the social media thing or becoming an influencer whatever it may be in the social world what is the best piece of advice that you could give to somebody that wants to do this full time what you do start love it i think that's probably the the number one barrier is people don't want to upload that first piece of content um it's it's long it's hard it's tough but let's say you enjoy the process that's all you need Mm. um you can't be focused on numbers or rewards or outcomes it all has to be input especially at the start um but yeah just starting the amount of people that probably haven't given this a shot because they don't want to hit upload on the first video uh it doesn't even matter if you're literally just make a selfie video of yourself for 10 seconds saying something and hit upload yeah. it will just kind of do something it will it will turn a switch in your brain that kind of makes it easier and easier every time you do it yeah. and don't feel that it's weird or that you are unique in the fact that you're nervous to do it i still get nervous uploading content um i still check the numbers even though i say don't i still look at it when i upload a video i'm refreshing it for the first 10 minutes trying to see what it does uh but ultimately, those aren't important to me. Those are just habits and interests and things like that. But my work doesn't depend on it. My work depends on being sure that I can hit upload consistently. It's really interesting. And I think another barrier for other people, well, for people, might be the fact that they f- might feel judged. People, family, you know, friends. Mm. Um, how, how would someone get over the fact that people are going to judge them? And that's just the nature of, putting your face out there one thing you could easily do is just share it with friends and family even before posting it get their feedback Mm. um once they're on board and they've given you genuine feedback that let's say you've acted upon then when you're uploading you know that they're supporting you now because they know what you're doing they've given you constructive feedback um so once you've got kind of that circle that's supporting it that fear kind of should Mm. diminish and just the other thing is that it's a well-documented effect, the spotlight effect. Everyone is their own main character in their story. So you think, and it does, but the world revolves around you, but only for yourself. So when it comes to 
I don't know, James living in Newcastle who's 34 watching your video, yeah. he doesn't really care yeah. about you. Yeah, you'll be surprised how little people actually care about your no life. No one's watching you. No one's really that focused on you. Maybe the 30 seconds they're watching your video, but apart from that, they've forgotten about you whilst you're constantly thinking about what they're thinking about you. They're just not. They've moved on. Um, so those kind of two things is building that support around you, but also understanding that you care about it every aspect a lot more than anyone else does yeah. hopefully can kind of reduce that conscious like pressure yeah. that you've put on yourself aside from your consistency mm. and i guess you know you're an intelligent guy why why have you been successful at this <laughs> that's the million dollar question isn't it um i want to say luck but i've kind of had to teach myself that luck isn't a thing luck is an outcome of the positions that you put yourself in so you can say i was lucky for the fact that within two weeks one of my videos went viral but i had to post consistently for two weeks to have that happen and i had to post on youtube for six months prior to that and i had to research the video and think of the content so what is the i want to say beyond just consistency was just the fact that i was working and producing content that I thoroughly enjoyed producing. So we'll kind of go back to that thing that I was talking about that I made sure from the start that I was input focused rather than outcome focused. Mm-hmm. Um, enjoying that journey, enjoying, enjoying editing, enjoying writing, enjoying scripting. Um, because that meant that after six months on YouTube where I hadn't had success, let's say, or 500 was amazing for me, but let's say in the grand scheme of things isn't a successful number, I still felt like I was doing well because I was still enjoying it. Um, My videos were getting a lot better. Um, And yeah, I was still happy to be consistently producing. So for me, that was a win. So that would be the other kind of main skill that you need. And if you're not enjoying the input side of it, it might just not be right for you. Yeah, it's a good point. I can see in your videos that you truly enjoy what you're doing. I can see that you've enjoyed the process. And particularly because you you put out a lot of content. Well, it seems like it for me because I see you every bloody day on the phone. <laughs> so much <laughs> But I'm joking. Uh, but it, it, it looks like you've enjoyed researching different things. Maybe it's about flights or maybe it's about like saving hacks. You know, all this kind of stuff. I can see that you've you've sat down and thought, really thought about it. Oh, mate, when you find that, that topic that you know is going to hit, yeah, it's... It's a feeling, isn't it? Um, but at the same time, when you find a content that you're not so sure about, I still I still post it because, you know, the world of social media, you don't get to decide what does well. There are videos that I've been like, this is going to do yeah. so well, flop. Yeah. And there's videos that take me 20 seconds to make. Boom, viral, best performing videos. It's interesting. Do you think that's because people can tell when you're being authentic or <laughs> they can they can read a script by the way you're saying the words or I, I you never know what's gonna what the reason why you can always analyze in retrospect and hindsight and take a look at what you think might have done it but these algorithms are so complex that you mm. just don't know at the end of the day someone has found that video more enjoyable even though you thought it would absolutely crash so that's a i suppose another bit of advice to anyone listening don't pick what you put out there or don't put things like take things down because they're not performing well you just never know what will do well when it comes to producing content on the internet. So upload everything and yeah, just just live life that way and you will do 
fundamentally better. Yeah, I always I always remembered how I thought with TikTok. Like I sometimes you could get lucky on TikTok mm. if your video reached the right people at the right time, it could go viral and it could snowball and you know spiral into something big. For example, if a video only gets a hundred views, maybe if you posted that video an hour later, it could have done so much better. Spot on. You just don't know. Yeah, TikTok's a, a weird one. It's short form content in general now, isn't it? Yeah. That, that's just, that's kind of how it works. It's such a fast paced um, style of content that particularly if you're going into short form content, upload often, frequently, and as much as you can. Um, because like I said, these algorithms are nuts. No one knows how they work. Uh, like you said, hours of the day, days of the week, the algorithm changes month to month as well. How long your video needs to be, things like that just are changing all the time. I don't know what goes well, so I just keep producing content. Um, and like I said, don't worry too much about the numbers, just keep producing. And with you keep producing content, do you ever fear that you might just run out of ideas one day? I thought that, but we're now a year and a half down the line and I've got like 50 ideas written on my computer. So at the moment, no, I like to restyle things, shake things up. Um, and like I said, the reason why I quit Barclays to go full time was so that I could be more creative and try different different styles of things. So let's just say for the past year and a half, I've produced content consistently in the same style. I'm assuming that there should be a lot more content now to make that I can try out different styles. So now that you have gone full time, what, what actually changes for you? Is it more output? Is it the quality gets better? Is it like you said, different style? What, what changes for you now? Yeah, so short term, which is kind of the only plan that I have, um, is I want to increase quantity. Um, I was struggling to manage my kind of quantity output. Um, and that's something I want to build up. I want to try different platforms. So I want to go back into long form on YouTube. That's definitely Interesting. a passion that I want to get back into. That's kind of like, that was like my baby, wasn't it? That was how I started. And I, I, as much as I love short form, there are so many things that you can't put across in a short form video because you know it needs to be snappy and to the point. Yeah. So YouTube is definitely something I want to get back going. Um, and then, like I said, just the opportunity to be a bit more creative and try out different styles of, of things when it comes to my short form content, because there are so many ideas that I've had and I just haven't had the time to do it. So yeah. that's definitely the short one year plan, let's say, for example. Beyond that, I'm not so sure. So YouTube is a... Is a is a goer this year? Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Cool. What kind of what kind of is it? Is it similar content or is it more vlog style? Is it more like presenty brand stuff? It will definitely be um, very similar financial education videos. Yeah. Okay. Just longer form because, like I said, in thirty seconds I talk about a topic and I just can't get everything across. Mm. If I could do it in five ten minutes, yeah. I could give people that are asking all those questions in the comments. I can answer all of them in one video. And then when someone asks, let's say in the comment on a TikTok video being like, hey, can I have more information? I can just drop yeah, that into yeah. that, that video. That's good, that's good. Like and that. get, get all of my information across. Um, but like I said, that I haven't done YouTube now for over a year. So that's kind of the plan. But as we know, with social media, plans don't always go to plan. So we'll see what comes from it. But that's definitely my initial ideas at the moment. If you could choose just one social platform, to live on for the rest of your life. <laughs> Which one would it be and why? I've got two answers. One would be TikTok because that's my roots. That's my base. That's where my support is. That's what I know inside out right now. But my favorite platform is and always will be YouTube, long form. Mm. I'm personally someone that likes the community aspect of the creators that I follow likes having that relationship. And I feel that that's the only platform that allows you to really build those proper relationships with with creators. 
Um, so let's say we had to start from zero on all of them mm. and you took away all of my knowledge, I'd probably start on YouTube just knowing and understanding about the platforms themselves. Um, but TikTok's incredible. Like, I have to be honest. Some people like slate it because they don't understand the power of it. But if you're looking for a platform that can change your life quicker than any other platform. So true. TikTok is the one. So true. Yeah. Is there any sort of regret that you didn't stick with YouTube, even if you just posted once every few weeks, once a month? Because if you think where you could be now, if you did post for this year that's gone by, I mean, t- tell me, what, what do you think? There's, there's not regret, but I, there were so many times throughout the past like year and a half that I stopped YouTube that I thought to myself, okay, once I hit, let's say 10,000 followers on Instagram, I really want to get back into YouTube because then I can push off my Instagram like followers and push them towards my, my YouTube videos. It ultimately came down to just not having the time to do it. Okay. Um, I knew that I was always sacrificing keeping consistent on TikTok okay. to, to go back onto YouTube. Um, so that's why I kind of left it to being full-time to go back on YouTube. But I do know, understanding kind of the industry and social media, that having or would it, had I been able to, let's say, produce one video a month even for the past year and a half, I would be in a much better position. But this is a marathon. It's not a sprint for me. So I don't really have regrets in that in that aspect. I know that the decisions I made were based on what I wanted to be doing at the time. Yeah. And if you did do one a month on YouTube, you might not have 1.3 on TikTok. You might not have your following on Instagram. Exactly. So actually... The focus is right, yeah. Right, I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna be cheeky now, Gabriel, (laughs) and forgive me for this, but I have to ask, because I want to know, but also I think people watching and listening will will be interested in this. They might be thinking, you know, you've got 1.3 million on TikTok, you've got a massive social media following. What does that mean in regards to money? What is is the bank account looking like? So like, for example, what, what is the best brand deal that you've had in terms of money? So the best, brand deal i've done was slash is seven and a half thousand pounds for a single video to be posted on tiktok and instagram one video one video seven and a half thousand pounds yeah 15 mm. seconds 30 seconds there's a lot of work that goes into it <laughs> dying inside aren't you um and like i don't say that obviously i never do it to brag or anything like that but I said this off camera to you, when you're in the finance space on social media and you're not willing to tell people specific answers to these questions, I think it's a little bit like two-sided because my whole spiel is transparency with income, with money, helping people, just raising everyone's literacy and understanding when it comes to money. So if I can't then tell people the opportunities that I'm getting because of the career that I've gone down, then I think it's silly. And I know some people are like, oh, like you're bragging, you're showing off. But I think it's just... Some people there are just interested. They want to know these kind of things. So I'm always of the opinion of if someone asks, I will answer. I respect that you are open about it. I am incredibly nosy. So thank, <laughs> thank you for saying. I, I, I appreciate it. But for me, I'm fascinated. Yeah. I, 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 I love that for you. If you said it was 1,000, 50,000, mm-hmm. I'd still find it amazing because it's money that you've earned yourself also like how mad is it that you can make that sort of seven and a half thousand pounds one video for one video yeah and i mean it shows you the power of social media but not only that like i am communicating often with creators out in the us and i've heard people on the same follow accounts as me talking fifteen thousand dollars for a video i've heard 
$50,000, someone's done a deal for three videos. These numbers are there. Like it's, it's all on what the brand wants and what they're after and obviously the size of them and their budget and how they value you and your community and your engagement and things like that. Um, I'd say definitely at that kind of number level, the deals are much less frequent, uh, infrequent, sorry. Well, yeah, less frequent. Yeah, way. yeah. Um, just because there's not that many companies willing to kind of part that level. Um, and I've also come a massive way in both my understanding of how much I need to like charge and position myself at um, compared to what I was charging previously. I, I know that my first ever brand deal, I, I definitely came to you and told you about it and said, how much should I be charging? Um, I think I was on maybe 100K on TikTok mm. um, and they'd offered me $100. I can't remember what the conversation went down, but I definitely think that you said something along the lines of, you might not want to take these deals right now because bigger ones will come further down the line. I think the lowest deal I did take was $100. Yeah. In hindsight, knowing that, I now know creators that have 100,000 followers on TikTok charging two to 3,000 pounds for a video. Wow. Yeah, so, but that's just through my education. I've learned that over the past. You have to kind of learn and make the mistakes mm. and take these lessons as they go. Um, but it's not all always about the money as well. It's about the brand. Um, I've turned down sizable offers as well. Um, and that will be if the brand is irrelevant to my audience. Oh, go on. <laughs> I'm not going to name and nah. shame brands ever. I thought you were open about this. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'll tell you numbers, but I feel like it's harsh on brands. So yeah, I mean, like for example, let's say the NFT industry. Okay. I don't talk about crypto. I don't talk about NFTs. I don't talk about blockchain. That's not my expertise. I don't really know much about it. So I've said no to deals in that industry just because I would feel um, in genuine talking to my audience about it because I don't have knowledge on that subject. Um, so... On top of that, if it is a relevant company, but I'm not such a fan, I don't think they're that useful. Mm. I also won't go with that company because I always see my sponsored videos. Obviously, they get less views because people know they're in ads and all those kind of things. Yeah. But at the end of the day, for example, let's say I'm talking about investing. I will give someone advice about investing and the amount of comments I get being like, great, this is amazing, but where, what, like how, what platforms? Yeah. So when I do a sponsored video, I want it to be another practical video where I'm actually giving someone an educational lesson in an area on finance, and then they're going, oh, but he's actually given us a tool where we can practically go and do it. Mm -hmm. um, so if that's kind of the model that I can like, kind of create my video around, then I know it's the right fit and I'll work with that company. That's good. But you're in a very good position where you can pick and choose now because mm -hmm. you have a big audience and you mm -hmm. have a lot of brands probably coming to you, right? Mm -hmm. But for the people that are starting out and they get that first uh, email in their inbox and it's like, oh, they're willing to pay me anything, it's hard not to be like, I'll do it. I did it. Yeah, I think I probably did as well. Uh, earning money <laughs> through a hobby is the wildest feeling that you can have. When someone's literally offered you 100 quid to do something that you were gonna do anyway, you're like, obviously, 100 pounds, that's like three meals out. Nice meals yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, there's no like disrespect to the people that are at that point and getting those offers and taking those offers. Um, but at the same time, as you grow and as you educate yourself, you'll start to understand how to actually value yourself and what brands are working for and what brands aren't. You're going to get to a point where you're, you're taking over 10K per brand. <laughs> Probably. There, there is gonna, you've not been doing this very long. There is going to come a point where you are making tens of thousands every month comfortably. It's wild. It's wild to think about. Obviously, it makes sense with the trajectory that I'm on. But even now, being just below that, I think to myself, yeah, that's 
that's unimaginable. Isn't it interesting that when you when you get there, it's very easy for that to become the norm and you then just look at the next step and the people above you, it never ends. Yeah. Because a year ago, two years ago, you'd have been like 250 pounds, 500 pounds for a deal, a thousand. By your hand. And now you're like seven and a half K, but you're probably thinking, I wonder if I could get that bigger <laughs> brand deal, better company, bigger company, more money. It's probably out there. I probably don't, at this level of growth, I probably could market and value myself at that point. Um, it's just still wild for me to think that I can charge those amounts. And like you said, with the normalization, that's like with money, but also with kind of the follow accounts mm. and the video views. So you'll find this very, um, if you do start creating and you start to kind of pick up a bit of pace, when you get that video or you're starting to get regularly a thousand views then 10,000 views, anything below that, you kind of get that like gut feeling. <laughs> What's happened? Yeah. Oh, a video of mine has only got 10,000 views. Yeah. I, sometimes you just have to like reframe it in your head and be like, a video of mine's got 10,000 views? Yeah. Like wild. Yeah. Um, but it's human nature. We normalize, don't we? Yeah. That's how we work as, as kind of like animals. So, so I understand it's going to happen and I just try and be a little bit conscious of it. Do you know, I don't check how many views my YouTube videos get until a week after I've posted it. Interesting. Yeah, and I'd do the same with TikTok. I'd put my phone down for, for days and just not look at it. Amazing habit. Because it really did affect me. Mm for good or for bad reasons, if it went viral, I would be the happiest person in, in the world. Um, and if it if it did terribly and tanked, I, I would really feel it and I'd be down and it would, it would control my mood and it would affect how I am with other people. So I have really got to the point now where I don't want to see that one to 10 on YouTube where it, <laughs> where it ranks how good my videos are doing. Because the confetti, yeah. when it gets to one it's out the of best 10. feeling when you get that <laughs> confetti, but when it's 10 of 10, it's, it, it hurts. It's... It's a weird one to describe to describe to people that have never put out content. But what do you yeah. what do you think? Uh, I think that that is an amazing habit to have to not look at videos to try and stop it affecting you. Um, and I think just it's a personal thing, whichever way you can manage it best to not be affected by the numbers. Like I said, I think I'm at the point now where numbers don't affect me. Fair. Ninety um, percent true. <laughs> numbers don't affect me that much, yeah. I, but. I'm still honest enough to say that I will check a video quite regularly after it's gone out. Mm. Um, and I'll probably have a little bit of like a cheer if it's doing well and a little bit of an upset. But on the on the main, I will not let it affect my, my mood. And like you said, for you, you've managed that through just don't look at it for a week. I'd, um, yeah, I think, I think for me, I'd rather not. Um, fair I'd, enough. Yeah, I'd rather not be influenced by it. Because in my head, I spend time putting that content together, well, thinking of the ideas, putting it together, if I'm happy to post it, that's all that matters. And once I've done that, I can walk away, remove myself. Whatever happens then, happens. And like I said, you, you focus on the, the back end, the input, yeah. and whatever happens on the other side happens. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But a lot of people care, a lot of youngsters, a lot of people are looking at people like you and think, I wanna do what you do. Um, I wanna get the views, I wanna get the money. Like, isn't it funny how influencing social media has become one of the most popular jobs that you can you can have and there's no degree there's no education route that really can teach people how to get there it's just like you've got to do it yourself it's it's an incredible kind of career slash profession that has come out over the past 20 years um 
it's probably quite fashionable because you're like you're your own boss you get to be creative um people talk about the massive numbers and money that's involved you get big subscribers like it's very ego boosting when it goes right and it's very demoralizing when it goes wrong and that's kind of also the culture we live in likes and things on instagram there's dopamine boosts social media has quite literally been created to like kind of focus on the human site like psyche Mm. um so there's no wonder why it's such a popular kind of profession and career um but i would say if it's something that you are seriously going into as you get older and it's something that you are wanting to take seriously just be aware of all those things and kind of build your own barriers and your own coping mechanisms because if and when it does start to grow it is a tough one to manage and unless you've kind of thought and about these things prior yeah yeah you're you're two years into your career i guess since graduating Mm -hmm. roughly what what is the goal for you because if we think you know you've got another 40 45 years of work (laughs) what the hell do you do during that time like what what is the pinnacle what is the end goal if there is one for you it's quite deep i don't i i I wouldn't i don't know like for myself Um, to be honest like if you would have asked me that with social media or even just in my general career i don't think i could have answered either one of those those kind of pathways for you um that's why i'm very secure on what my year goal is like what i want to do this year um bigger picture i would like to try and evolve this away from social media whether that's obviously i enjoy educating people so whether it's educating through the finance side or educating people through more about social media um or whether there's kind of any opportunities, ventures, startups that could come off the back of it. Those are kind of always the things in the back of my mind. Um, But like I said, the the amazing aspect of being on social media is the being your own boss and having that mobile work life. So this hopefully will give me a lot of opportunities to do things that I couldn't have done in a kind of profession where you're given X amount of holiday days and you have to work between certain hours. Um, And that's obviously another area that's kind of very exciting for me going full time yeah so to say kind of what i picture over the next 40 to 45 years i don't know like for all i know in a year from now i won't enjoy social media anymore and i want to go and get a job again um i don't know what field that would be in um but i probably would have a lot better uh, a better picture and have opened a lot more doors for myself in in on that side of things but yeah like i said one year i'm pretty certain of what i want five years three years even yeah i've got no idea that's good though. It's it's okay to not know. Mm. It's it's completely fine. Even when someone says, "What's your five year plan?" If you, if you don't know, it's like it's okay because no nobody knows what will happen. You can have a plan on paper, but like God, especially on social media, well, like yeah. the like it evolves so quickly that if you've got a plan locked in for five years, it's guaranteed to not happen. It's it, but it's interesting because I I get slated often on YouTube for changing what I do every six months, and I'm kind of like, yeah, thanks. I appreciate that you've noticed that. Like, yeah, I am growing and evolving and changing what I do every six months because I can and I want to, and you know, not a lot of people have the opportunity to do that. So I'm just start clicking. Yeah, 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 right. But so like when people say that, I'm kind of like, I don't want to be stuck in something for the next 20, 40 years or whatever. I love that I can just change and do whatever. If I wanted to start fishing and create content on fishing, I can and will do it. A hundred percent. You know, I think I was, lit- we've spoken about him a few times, but Ali Abdal, I just learned this concept. I was watching one of his courses and it was all about how 
what you do with kind of the business of social media is you lay the foundations and the foundations are, you know that you want to create on social media, you know the platforms you want to create on, you know how often you want to be creating, you know your style maybe even of creating. And then you put the house on top of that and that might be the overarching theme of what your goal is. So I don't know whether that's maybe for me finance or maybe just education. Um, And then after that, you can start designing the rooms. But when it comes to owning your own house, you can redecorate as often as you want. As long as the the house is probably still going to be standing and the foundations are probably never going to change. And I think that's even more true for, for social media. Like, like people change all the time. Your interests are going to change. And ultimately, let's say you aren't passionate about creating in the topic that you were creating about six months ago, it's harmful not to, to change it into what you want to be doing because you'll just give up if you are not enjoying the content you're creating anymore. Yeah. And I, I, I still get people saying, oh, I wish you still created this kind of content. And I'm like, yeah, oh, sorry. Like, I just don't, I just don't want to. I mean, look at KSI, the biggest creator in the world, right? Yeah. Imagine if he was still making FIFA videos. Yeah. People still want him to be doing it, but he's like, no, I'm yeah. what, 27 years old, 28 years old now. I'm not going to be making FIFA videos. I want to do music. I want to be doing all these other things. Like, yeah. It's, it's hard though as well, because you know that if you did pivot and you did start to create different content, a different style or, or different topics, you, you know that your current existing fan base might not like it and mm. you might not get enough, uh, well, as many views. You might attract different brands. It's, it, it is important to consider it, right? Definitely important to consider. You've got to, like, at the end of the day now, this is my business. And as a business, you can't just start another business and hope that you can just shift everything across. But there's clever ways to do it. Let's say you wanted to try out a new niche or a new category of content. Just let's say you're producing five videos on TikTok a week. Make two of them that new piece of content. Yeah. And you're doing three original, two new, three original, two new. A month later, maybe switch it. So you're doing three new, two original. And you can kind of do things in a smart way. True. Or find the links between the two topics and work that way. I think there's a numerous ways, ways of doing it in a, in a smart aspect. You've seen businesses evolve into different businesses. Mm. And you've just got to kind of mimic what they've done and just apply it to the industry you're in. Yeah. It's a really good point. And I think most creators will, at some point, make a change. And if you don't, you're going to be left in the dirt because people will get bored of something at some point. Uh, I don't know how you found it with um, staying within the finance world, but you do. You have kind of stepped into, well, you've stepped out of just finance. And I'm, I've seen some of your videos that I've thought, this is new. This is, <laughs> this is, this is, this is a new audience, potentially. Experiment. And I've been, yeah. It's about experimenting, right? Yeah. I, I realized that there were areas in educating people. I, I kind of built this umbrella of educating people outside the classroom now rather than just on finance. Yeah. So I've done things on tech because I've got passion and interest in like technology. And I've done things on just general life hacks because I found something cool. And I was like, that's cool. Why would my kind of community not want to learn about yeah. this thing? It's a useful piece of information just because it doesn't happen to be about finance. So yeah, I've definitely started that and I will probably continue to do that at an increasing rate. And on the experimenting thing, I think you would smash it on YouTube if you did tech stuff and also car reviews, you know, that kind of that kind of stuff. I think that there's a massive audience for tech on YouTube, I'm sure, mm-hmm. across all channels. But I feel like if you did tech and like car reviews on YouTube, I don't know, what's that guy called? The um, MKBHD? Yeah, him. You know, you know, you know what I mean? There you go. Yeah. Same wavelength. Um, <laughs> that might just be me saying something so stupid and obvious, but I feel like you'd be very good at it. Um, I don't know. 
I will take that as a compliment. And like like I said, tech is a is a passion and an, an interest of mine. So there definitely will be content around mm. tech, reviewing content, and even if I can put a financial spin on it. So it's less about what the specific aspects of the tech is, but more about is it worth the money. Yeah. There's always that's ways it. of linking my my content together, and that's like I said, if we go back to it again, going full time allows me now to have the time to think about those connections you have management right you have an agency working i work under an agency yeah is that do they control manage your inbox do they find you brand deals is is that what they do yes so they will especially when i was working full-time at the same time as doing this i couldn't do outreach um i couldn't manage my rates i couldn't do negotiation i could i didn't have time for it um and just kind of being under the umbrella of of an agency gave it a bit more legitimacy so i started to work with bigger brands through their connections um, they were able to increase my rate through connections as well. Um, and yeah, I've got a good relationship with them as well. It was actually set up, this agency, by a guy that I went to school with. Oh, wow. Um, so there's a level of trust there. We know each other from outside of all of this. Yeah. He's grown an incredible business Fair. and he's helping me do that the same as well. So so yeah, that that's kind of the aspects they help me with. It's amazing that you just create the content and there is a separate entity who will find <laughs> you money in a way. They will create, well, they'll find you opportunities that will allow for money to be transferred to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's really interesting. Um, that's really cool. I mean, I, it's some, I don't have a management company and I'm always kind of like, how does that even come about? Like, obviously it's you, someone you know, but I'm yeah. like, is it something that you get approached or you, you kind of pitch yourself? Yeah. I, you could do both, yeah. to be honest. I've had both, both ways happening. Um, if you kind of have a, network and you know that they're under agencies you can reach out to those agencies if, if you think they align with you um i got lucky that they reached out to me yeah. um and yeah it's my mate jake he's now built an agency over the past three years now mm. um to the point where he's got like 30 40 clients underneath him he's expanding into sport into all areas of social media tv um, so he's obviously doing really well for himself and I'm honestly happy to like we kind of see our, each other as like a partnership um, I've heard of a lot of bad agency experiences where yeah. they're just in it to kind of yeah make money off you yeah. and just like they push you into any opportunity they can find yep. I'm quite lucky that we bounce off each other so if there's a brand I want to work with I go to him yep. if there's an opportunity he comes to me and it's always my decision is the final decision yeah. um, which isn't always the way with agencies I've just got happened to be very lucky with the one I'm working yeah. with that sounds really good. There are so many intricacies to what we do um, in terms of like how we make money. You know, it is in it is a, a business. You know, we we have to do all the boring work sometimes as well. And there are, you know, I talked to someone recently about um, the fact that when you just when you have a full time job, you don't have to worry about anything. It's just turn up, get paid, do a job. That's it there's so much more to consider when you do go off and do your own thing but um there are rewards to doing that there are benefits but also there's kind of like some crap things that come with it as well but um yeah i mean there's there's loads to talk about i think to be honest with you that that was really interesting i found it super useful myself so um i hope you guys watching listening have learned something or if you've seen this face for the first time (laughs) you know um, if you've seen me pop up as an ad you, I apologise you're going to see you will see him <laughs> at some point for sure for sure but make sure you go follow Gabriel on TikTok uh, Insta YouTube Twitter <laughs> I'm on it you're I don't, right. you don't use it all, all social, maybe one day all the social channels they'll, they'll be in the description um, do you have any final words you want to 
want to say no thank you for having me it's class to finally meet in person yeah and i look forward to the next one isn't that weird two years of just yeah on instagram dms thanks covid <laughs> yeah thanks for that but yeah i'm sure we'll run it back soon in a year or whatever and you'd probably be doing something completely different Big be, be back at barclays both of us imagine, back at barclays <laughs> the sequel we're, we're running the barclays podcast no, something's gone wrong if we're doing that something's gone <laughs> terribly wrong we're running the barclays social media channels together i don't think i'd be allowed a job at that company 10k a month there's a wanted sign 10k for, a there's month a, there's a wanted sign they wouldn't take me <laughs> i'm plastered all over there's their wall space that's on the wall it when you walk me. in it was me understood had shorter hair at the time but yeah. <laughs> anyway guys much love like subscribe all that kind of stuff see you soon bye bye bye